episode 69 of Board Game Blitz, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to cover your entire bathroom in silly string. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about silly games. First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, like Go Away Monster and Catch the Moon. Then, we discuss our top five silly games. And now, here are your hosts, Ambie and Crystal. My nephew is about two and a half years old, and we've been trying to introduce him to board games, as you would do with your family. <laughs> and so far, we've played one game with him. That's Go Away Monster. So Go Away Monster was published in 1997. It was designed by Monty and Ann Stambler and published by Game Right Games. It's a children's game for two to four players. It's mostly for toddlers. I've played, I think, pe- with people as young as one and a half years old to about five years old. It's not one of those children's games that's fun with just adults. So, <laughs> in Go Away Monster, each player has a board that represents their bedroom. It's a cardboard board with four shapes that are not colored in. There's a bed, a picture, a lamp, and a stuffed animal. There's a bag with cardboard pieces with all the items in it, but also has monster cardboard pieces in it. And on your turn, you draw a piece from the bag by feeling around in the shape, and you can't look in the bag. And if it's an item that you still need on your board, you put it in its spot. But if it's a monster, you say, go away, monster, and you throw it across the room. But you, you don't have to throw it. Like, my nephew doesn't like throwing things, I guess. So he just places the monster gently in, <laughs> in the corner of his bedroom. Oh, my gosh, that's adorable. Cute. Yeah, so he gets a, he gets a stack of monsters by the end of the game. But, so you play until everyone gets their room filled or just the toddler that you're playing with gets their room filled, depending on how patient they are. <laughs> we, we play with a lot of house rules because another house rule we add is that you can trade pieces with someone else because inevitably the toddler is going to have a favorite color bed that they want. And then when someone else gets that one, they're like, oh, I want it. But we have to teach them, oh, you can't just take it from them. But if you have your own bed, we can trade. <laughs> so it's good for teaching toddlers like how to take turns, learning rules, uh, not to cheat because They'll want to look in the bag, but you can only feel around. But also, as they get better at the game, they'll be feeling for the items that they want because they're all different shapes. So you can feel for it, but it's tricky because some of the monsters are shaped similarly to some of the items. So so it can be kind of hard. But, I mean, it's not hard for adults. (laughs) But I've introduced it to a bunch of different toddlers and as their first game, and they all love it. My nephew... When he finishes playing it, he's like, again, again. And he also knows where it is on our shelves now. And he knows it's the monster game. And he he always wants to play it. So that's Go Away Monster. Really fun for toddlers. (laughs) That's really cute. I feel like, so my nephew turns four in February. And he hasn't Mm -hmm. really gotten into any games yet. um, But this feels like one that he might want. So who knows, maybe I will. Well, we're, So we're recording this episode in mid-December, even though mm-hmm. it's being released in early January. So when I say I might get it for him for Christmas, that's why that will make sense, <laughs> but kind of not. <laughs> so who knows? I'll have to keep an eye out for that one. Uh, the game that I want to talk about is called Catch the Moon. Uh, Catch the Moon came out in 2017, technically? At least that's what BGG says. But I didn't see it anywhere until 2018, so I'm not quite sure if it just got released overseas and then has gotten wider distribution just now. Um, But I hadn't heard about it at all until just like 
a couple of months ago, and now it feels like it's kind of everywhere. Catch the Moon is a dexterity game where you are placing wooden ladders. You're stacking wooden ladders up on top of each other, trying to catch the moon, literally. But the moon is very sensitive, and it, she cries easily. So if you make a mistake in the game, you have to actually take a wooden tear, like one of the moon's tears, because she's sad that you did not get to her. <laughs> so uh, it's really simple as dexterity games go. The game starts with two ladders populated into the plastic base and then you roll a die and based on what you roll you have to place another ladder onto the structure in a specific way either touching only one other ladder or two other ladders um, or making your ladder be the tallest in the structure entirely. It is incredibly simple. I don't know what it is about these like light dexterity games that just like scratches the right part of my brain. But I really, really, really like this one quite a bit. I, I'm not sure how much distribution it has here in the States. I've seen some <sighs> companies carrying it, but uh, not a ton. So I don't know. I, I This is on my Christmas list. I'm hoping that I get it as a gift. If I don't get it for either my birthday or Christmas, I'm going to be buying it for myself probably pretty soon, because I feel like this one's really approachable. And it's got great table presence. When you walk by seeing the ladders all stacked up on each other, and at BGG Con, they actually had a jumbo version of this in one of the demo halls. And I was kind of like, oh my gosh, I want that. <laughs> With real ladders? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, oh no, that would be, oh no, I can't even imagine. No, it was just like the same thing, but just a little bit bigger. I have heard from some people that the wooden ladders can break somewhat mm -hmm. easily. I don't own a copy of the game and I haven't played it enough to know that for sure. Um, but it, the game comes with enough ladders that it feels like if like one of them were to break, it wouldn't ruin the game experience necessarily. So I can't really speak to how fragile they are. They did not seem super fragile, but they also did not seem super sturdy either. They were pretty lightweight, which is good. So that way you can kind of manipulate them in interesting ways. So yeah, that is Catch the Moon. All right, it's here. We're doing another list. Lists, <laughs> lists are fun. People say they like them. We're doing another one. This week, we are talking about our top five silly games. Now, you and I had a conversation prior to recording about what exactly constitutes a silly <laughs> game. And I think we, we kind of came to a couple different conclusions there. Yeah. I, I was thinking just games that either the game themselves game itself is silly or the people are silly when they play it. Yeah, I think I think that that is accurate for a couple like those two things are for both some of the games on my list. Yeah, like either the game just encourages you to be silly or it is silly in and of itself. Yeah. And I guess we can explain why we have it on our list when we come to that game. <laughs> for sure. All right, so Ambi, what is your number 5? My number 5. Oh, so the way I ordered it is I put these are all games that I like a lot, but then I put the one that I thought was the more silly one as number one, and then the one that is more serious as number five. <laughs> so <laughs> my number five is Strike. Which Any is, excuse to put Strike on a list, we will take, obviously. <laughs> which some people think is a silly game, which is why I put it on the list, but, but it is a very serious sport game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, before we recorded, Ambie had a little bit of an existential crisis because she was like, but wait, 
no, strike is a serious thing. <laughs> like, she got, got very intense. And yes, strike is serious business. Gladiators fighting in an arena. It is also very silly. <laughs> yeah. So we, we've talked a lot about strike. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we don't really need to rehash that too much, probably. <laughs> All right, my number five is Walk the Plank. Walk the Plank came out in 2013 from Mayday Games. And this is, the theme of this game is very silly. Basically, you are a bunch of horrible pirates. Not horrible as in you do bad things, but you're just bad at being pirates. (laughs) And so the captain of the ship says, you all are driving me crazy. Only two of you can stay. The rest of you figure it out, get in the ocean, jump in there. I don't want to see you anymore. And so everybody is pushing and shoving each other's meeples off of a plank into the ocean. The plank can be retracted and pulled back out. And it's an or it's a programmed movement kind of game because you're ordering your cards in advance for each round. And the things on the cards are things like shove left, which means you shove a meeple for the person on your left or run around, which means one of your meeples has to move either forward or backward. And sometimes that means you actually have to run toward the end of the plank. (laughs) And then you can retract the plank or extend the plank. Um, But since you uh, have to put all the cards out in advance and you don't know what everyone else is going to do, inevitably you end up throwing yourself into the ocean (laughs) at some point. And that's just hilarious. This game mechanically is actually very interesting, but the theme is really silly. And I think the theme actually makes it more approachable because truthfully, the programmed cards thing is I think sometimes difficult for new gamers to grasp but because of the silliness of the theme I think it makes it more approachable I always have a good time with this one and it's nice that there's always two winners instead of one I think that's an interesting thing too because there aren't usually a lot of games that allow more than one person to win unless it's a co-op so that is why walk the plank is my number five my number four is Cheeky Monkey which is a push your luck game by Reiner Kinesia that came out in 2007 And there's a bunch of different versions of it, but I have a version that actually comes in a stuffed monkey. Like, it looks like a stuffed animal. That's (laughs) awesome. Which in itself makes it silly. (laughs) I think that's mostly why it's on this list. But basically, it's a push your luck game. You have, you're drawing animal chips out of a bag, and there's 10 monkeys, 9 dogs, um, like, different number of each type of animal. And at the end of the game... If you have the majority of an animal, then you get that number of points. Uh, And you also get points for how many chips you have. But you keep drawing animals on your turn until you have drawn two of the same animal. And then you have to put it back in the bag. Or you can stop whenever you want. And then when you stop, you have to stack up your animals. And you get to keep those for next turn. But if someone on their turn draws an animal that matches the top animal on your stack, then they get it too. So you have to like figure out how you're going to stack it or else people can just keep taking the top ones from your stack. And it's called Cheeky Monkey because if someone gets a monkey, they can either keep it or they can trade it with someone else's top thing. So if you get a bunch of monkeys in a row, you can trade it with someone else's top pile and then you get another monkey and you get all of those back, which is really awesome. It's rare for that to happen because people will probably bust, but it's fun when it does. So that's Cheeky Monkey. Mostly on my list because it comes in a monkey. Unique packaging is something that a lot of board gamers complain about, but in this case, I think it's fitting. It's actually next to the go away monster. So, like, when I said my nephew knows where go away monster is, he said it's next to the monkey. (laughs) That's cute. I think uh, so. Something that did not make my list but was on my short list of considerations for this one was happy salmon. And yeah, Mm -hmm. the packaging for that is good too because it's literally a fish. (laughs) 
<laughs> and that's just great. And yeah, when you see that on a shelf, it's like hard not to be like, wait, what is that? <laughs> All right. So my number four is Moods. Moods is a game that came out in 2000 from Hasbro. And I believe you can still get it. I looked online. It looks like it's still available some places, but it's not super widely available because it's so old now. In Moods, the core game board is pretty boring. It's just like a round thing where you're just moving a piece around a track trying to get to the end of it first. But the way you do that is one person rolls a die secretly in a cup. And then based on what number they rolled, they are given a specific mood that they have to read a phrase in. So the phrases are all on cards. You draw a card, it'll have a phrase on it. Then based on what number you rolled, there are eight moods all out on the board that everybody can see. So they might say things like romantic or zany or heartbroken. Like they're interesting, like wait, like emotional type words. And then you have to read the phrase in the mood that you rolled and everyone else has to guess what mood you were trying to say the phrase in. So like, uh, I'm looking at some of the cards online and so like a phrase is, was I snoring again? So like if you, the mood you rolled was zany, you might be like, was I snoring again? <laughs> and so like everybody like you, you gets really into it because you have to be like super like, clear about what mood you're doing so if it was like sad you'd be like was I snoring again and it's just <laughs> so funny because inevitably you're not just saying things a specific way but you're kind of like emoting with your face as well and it's really really funny and then uh, people get points based on whether they guessed the mood correctly and you get points if people guessed it correctly when you were the one saying the phrase and the first one at the end of the track wins but honestly like that's boring it's the <laughs> yeah. fun part of this game is saying these phrases and like the phrases are ridiculous like even the ones in this uh photo online one of them is waiter my chicken's got maggots in it <laughs> and there's another one that says my word are you ugly <laughs> so they're like ridiculously random <laughs> phrases and then yeah especially like Based, like, if you had to say that, like, that one in a romantic mood, so, <laughs> my word, are you ugly. <laughs> it gets very silly very fast. My friend Elissa owns this one. I don't own a copy of it, but anytime she wants to play, I'm always down. So that is why <laughs> Moods is my number four. My number three is Igloo Pop which was published in 2003. I think it's not in print, so sorry about that. But Igloo Pop is silly. It has a very silly theme. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's that's... also very unique. It's a um, sound is the mechanic in the game. So you are all um, yetis, I think, and you're shaking these igloos to see how many Eskimos are in the igloos. Yeah, you're picking up igloos to find, to shake them to see how many Eskimo children yeah. are in the igloo. <laughs> yeah, like in the rule book, it says at first you thought there were like chicken sticks in there or something, chicken fingers, and you because you were hungry, but then there were Eskimo children in there and then you're playing a game with them now. Because <laughs> they had fun when you shook it around. So yeah, that's you're, a, not, you're not murdering thing. Eskimo children yeah. in this game. It's, it's all in yeah. good fun. But basically, there's 13 igloo or 12 igloos from two, 2 to 13 beads inside them, and you're shaking it to try to see how many there are in there, and then you're like betting how many are in uh, each igloo. 
and you get points for getting right. It's a speed and like sound game because you're trying to pick up the ones and then bet as quickly as possible because everyone's doing it at the same time. And it's just the theme is just really silly. And this game <laughs> this is game. harder than it looks. Like anyone that I've introduced this to inevitably like the first few rounds struggle a lot with like how many of the yeah. beads are in each igloo. Like they'll be like, oh yeah, there's definitely like nine in here and it's like three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the two is pretty easy, but like once it gets past like six or something, it, it's pretty hard. We, we actually played it a lot in one in a short period of time like when we first got it and we started getting pretty good at knowing which is which but still like the heavier ones are hard all right my number three will probably not come as a surprise to anybody it is heartthrob (laughs) so heartthrob if you haven't heard me wax poetically about it many times (laughs) in the past is a game from 1988 from milton bradley it is and I always have to say this. Hold on. I'm going to pull up the image of the box because I don't have... It's the, the age requirements. Like, so you know how on board game boxes, they tell you how old you should be to play a game. In the front of the box where it tells you what age you should be, it says, for all girls who like boys. That's in the age. It specifically <laughs> says ages for all girls who like boys. I would say, caveat, this is for all humans who like looking at pictures of stock <laughs> photography <laughs> because that is generally what this game eventually turns into. So in Heartthrob, there is a ton of black and white stock photography of teenage boys. Although teenage is used loosely because some of the people in these pictures were clearly in their late 20s and just <laughs> pretending to be teenagers, which is mildly creepy, but what can you do? You pick three of them, and then there are a bunch of trait cards that get laid out during the course of the game saying specific things about the boys. So you attach specific traits to them, and I will pull up a couple of those as examples. So yeah, some of the trait cards might be things like captain of the football team, or eats like a pig, or junk food addict. So they're like random facts about the boys. And then everybody, uh, in, the, in the normal game, you're deciding who you want to dance with, who you want to go on a date with, and who you want to go steady with, which is obviously a very big decision. And do kids these days even know what going steady means? <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure that's not a thing anymore. Shout out to Flip the Table podcast for bringing this game to my attention because I did not play this when I was little. I got a copy of it after I heard them talk about it and they have spread the love and I've become a heartthrob evangelist as well. I bring this game to most conventions that I attend and I also bring my re-theme Barkthrob, which has pictures of doggos in it. And yeah, it is a lot of fun. This is a great like late night con game because you're literally like trying to explain to people why you want to date that specific teenage boy and not those other two specific teenage boys Uh, and you're trying to predict which ones your friends picked and then arguing with them about why they should have picked this one over that one and it's all like abstracted and silly and ridiculous and I love it so very much Uh, if you ever see me at a convention come ask to play it I will generally have it with me I love it so very much. I made Ambie play it at BlitzCon this year. <laughs> or we played Barkthrob. Did we play regular uh, We played both, I think. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's ridiculous, but I love it so very much. Uh, that is Heartthrob, my number three. 
My number two is Monikers, which was published in 2015 by Palm Court. If you've played Time's Up, Monikers is similar to that. It's it, it's a game in three rounds. It's like charades mixed with taboo and those other word guessing games. So you're going to have a deck of cards that has words in them. Each card has like a word or a phrase. And then in the first round, you're trying to get people to guess the word by saying anything except for the word on there. And then in the second round, you use the same deck of cards. So everyone already knows what the words are because they've gone through the whole deck. And then you're just saying one word as a clue for each card. And you can skip through the cards. And then in the third round, you can't say anything and you're just doing charades. (laughs) So, but it's the same words the whole time. So by the end of it, everyone knows all the words or theoretically they know all the words and there's inside jokes with what the words are because the way you describe it could be something completely different from what the phrase actually is. And then like what you're charading is what you described last turn. (laughs) So it, it gets really funny. What I like about monikers is that it actually has descriptions of the words or phrases on it because some of the phrases are really weird. And with Time's Up, I don't always know what the people are. So like if you don't know who the person is, then it's hard to describe it. But with monikers, they have like a description so you can just read that if you don't know what it is, which happens a lot of the time because they have some really weird things. Like <laughs> like one, one card is Roland the Farter, Flatulist to the King. <laughs> and another card is pooping before you weigh yourself. So, <laughs> so they, they can be really long phrases and you have to say the whole thing <laughs> exactly, which <laughs> gets difficult, but it gets really funny, especially during the charades part. So obviously those couple cards you mentioned just there, they're not necessarily <laughs> adult themed, but they're a little bit like less. Yes. Is this game family friendly? Or it, it's not family friendly, really. There's a... Uh, more juvenile humor, and there's also some that are, like, probably more adult-themed okay. cards. But you can probably take out those for okay if you're playing with family. Because, well, the way that it works at the beginning, you everyone gets a hand and they pick some that they put in. But you could house rule that to just, like, or you could just take out the cards, go through, like, the entire deck in the game. Which, I don't know how many cards this is. <laughs> I'm, I'm holding up my hands and <laughs> okay <laughs> but yeah you, you could go through and take out ones that wouldn't be appropriate so so that was your number two two yes monikers all right my number two is, is another older game it goes by two different names depending on what country it was published in and that is atmosphere or nightmare It was published in 1991. It's funny, like on BGG, the number of publishers listed is like, there's like eight different publishers listed, or no, nine if you count Unknown as one of them. Schmidt Spiele, maybe? Spears Games, there's a whole bunch of publishers. So this was a VCR game from the 90s. Those were really popular back then. Nightmare or Atmosphere is a game where players are racing around a circular board. It's a just a roll and move game, but there is a VHS tape that is playing in the background while you're playing the game. And his, his, the gatekeeper is on the tape and he will occasionally just show up 
and yell at you and make you do things. <laughs> and every time he addresses the room or a specific player, you are required to address him by saying, yes, my gatekeeper. And there are other rules that he throws into the game specifically, like he might specifically call you a certain name. It's usually degrading, like maggot or something <laughs> like that. He will sometimes make you lose turns for no reason. He will send you to the black hole, which means you don't get to do anything until he releases you. And it's all <laughs> like horrible, but in a really fun way because it's super silly. And you're racing around the board trying to collect six or five keys of your color and then go to the middle of the board. Um, and the game lasts 60 minutes exactly because that is how long the VHS tape is. And if you don't win by 60 minutes, then the gatekeeper wins and you have all lost the game. Uh, when I play this one, I tend, even though it is technically a competitive game, I tend to play this kind of cooperatively in that like, I would rather somebody win than nobody win. So like if I only have a couple of my keys and somebody else is close to getting their fifth one, I'll be cheering them on. Like I'm not rooting <laughs> for them to lose because I don't want the gatekeeper to win. So what's neat about this game, the base game comes with like this big board and a, a few decks of cards that have fate cards and then time cards on them. The time cards have a specific time listed on them. And the time is ticking down on the screen, on the TV. And when that the time hits, it's on your card, you're supposed to do a very specific thing. And some of those are really silly, like scream very loudly. And if you scare anyone, you get to take a card from them. <laughs> like, so, and like the time will be ticking down and all of a sudden somebody will just like shriek loudly without any warning. And it's funny because it kind of adds that sense of dread and fear that you wouldn't expect to be present in a board game, but it's there. And then there are sequels to this game that add new cards and new tapes with new people instead of the gatekeeper. And I really want atmosphere two. Three and four I'm not as interested in, but two I want to get a hold of at some point, and those are kind of hard to find. But yeah, so it's really, really silly. It's really ridiculous. You have to go into it with like the right mood and mindset because it's a dumb game, <laughs> but I really love it. <laughs> and I get to play this at Dice Tower Con with a bunch of people, uh, so that was really neat. Uh, so that is why Nightmare or Atmosphere is my number two. My number one is Bunny Bunny Moose Moose, which is a party game designed by Vlada Hvatel in 2009. It is probably one of the most complex party games that I've played. I love that like a couple of your silliest <laughs> games are silly games from very serious designers. Yes. So Vlada's one of my favorite designers. He does because he has such a variety of games. He does he made code names and he made Dungeon Pets and Mage Knight. Like these are all very different games. Very heavy games and very light games. But Bunny Bunny Moose Moose is a party game that's heavy, kind of. So in it, you're, most of the players are being bunnies or mooses. And there's one person being a hunter and you rotate around the roles. So everyone gets to be the hunter twice or something. So the hunter is reading a poem and putting out cards that show points for how many points it will be if you're each thing. So for example, a card will have a bunny with an ear pointing up or a moose with with horns pointing up or down or something. And it says if it's either positive points or negative points. And there's going to be six cards out. And then once there's six, he replaces the first card. So he keeps like to a rhythm because he's reading a poem. He puts cards out and then replaces it. And then when a hunter card comes out, he goes bang and stops. But while that's going on, everyone's looking at the points and then trying to get the most score by being that animal. 
So to be a bunny, you have to put your hands. Okay, I'm gesturing a lot, but hopefully this, <laughs> it's hard to describe in audio, but you're gonna have to put your hands like with bunny ears on your head, which means your thumbs aren't sticking out, but your fingers are up or bent. So there's like straight ears or bent ears, and that's different. And then they, the ears can be on top of your head or on the side of your head, and those are different. And so depending on what you get, you'll get points based on what the cards are. And to be a moose, you have to have your thumbs out and your fingers can be out or closed and it can be pointing up or down. And so like- <laughs> I you wish can't... everybody could watch you doing this right now. It's so good. Yes. <laughs> so, but you can't be a bunny and a moose because then you'll just be a bush. That's what it says in the rules. Like. So you get no points if that happens. But you have like two characters on the board that you're getting points for, a bunny and a moose. So if you end up being a bunny, then you get the points for that bunny and then your bunny character moves. And if you're a moose, then you get the points for the moose and your moose character moves. And the winner is the person whose furthest back character is furthest ahead. So you want both characters to move up, but sometimes the bunny person scores more than the moose based on what cards are out. So then you can also stick out your tongue to become the other animal. So there, there's like a lot of advanced <laughs> rules too. So um, there's all these rules for like how to get the best score. And it's going and the, the scores are changing as the cards get covered up. So if you're watching this, it's really funny to watch because people are just like changing what hand motions are on their head and then sticking out their tongue. And then, and then they all have to freeze at the end. So this is... Very difficult to play, but it's really funny. <laughs> That's Bunny Bunny Moose Moose. That's my number one silly game. <laughs> so for my number one, I am kind of cheating a little bit, but only because the two games are somewhat similar, and one of them is widely available right now, and the one, the other one is not. So I will talk about the one that is not first, because it's my first pick for this, and that is Call of the Wild. So Call of the Wild was on Kickstarter a couple of years ago, and I had not heard of it, but somebody actually brought it to our Blitz meetup at Dice Tower Con and introduced it to us there, and we played it, and I fell in love with it. So in Call of the Wild, you've got three to six players who all have a deck of cards with animals on them. And once It's a real-time game, and once the game starts, you flip over your first card and you don't show it to anybody, and everyone has to make the noise of the animal that's on their card. And the, the five noises that you could possibly be making are... Haroom! Yip, yip, yip! <laughs> Hiss! Chee, chee! Or slurp, slurp! <laughs> and... Those five animals, which are kind of like fictional things that look, they look kind of like think like uh, a lion and a lizard and some other stuff, but they're like fictional animals, but they form a food chain. So each of those animals can eat one of the other animals in the chain. And the thing is, you don't have to be honest about the noise you're making. So mm. in theory, if you say Haroom and you match with another Haroom, then you both flip your cards over, and if you both have the animal that makes a haroom noise, then you both get to keep your card. But if you make the, or if you, if your card is actually the animal that eats the animal that makes the haroom, and you tricked them, then you get to keep both of the cards. So like, it's interesting because if you were both lying, then nobody gets anything, <laughs> and that happens a lot. But yeah, you like so everybody's making these ridiculous animal noises and taking cards from each other, and the first person 
uh, or I think, I don't know how many cards you have to like collect to win, but this, I was like, oh my gosh, who publishes this game? Where can I get it? And they were like, yeah, it's not really widely available. And I was like, what? How is that possible? So it's by Rather Fun Games. And I looked at their website. Uh, It looks like you can just order the game directly from them, but it looks like it's $30, which while this game is awesome, I don't know if it's a $30 game. So that being the case, I'm going to talk about another game that is widely available that is similar and almost as fun, and that is Dude. (laughs) So... Oh, I want to play that one. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this game. So it is from North Star Games, famous for games like Happy Salmon, and things like that came out in 2018 and it's a game where you say the word dude (laughs) so all of the cards in the game have the word dude written on them but spelled and like the the fonts are different the spellings are different and the size of the font is different so like it might say d-o-o-o-o-o-d dude right or it might say (laughs) d-e-w-d dude or it, or it might have really, like, in super, super tiny font, D-O-O-D. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> so you're sitting around the table, and you, everybody has a deck of cards, and you flip them up, and you just say, dude, based on what is on your card, and try and find somebody else that has the same card as you. So you're all going, dude? Dude, 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 dude. Like, yeah, like one of them has a question mark. Yeah, there's one with a lot of O's. It's, oh my goodness, this game. And there's also, I uh, there's More Dude, which is a, another standalone game. I should I should look it up because I don't remember the uh, what that can, entails, but I think it just adds more ways to say dude. Uh, and I believe they can be combined. But yeah, the first person to... I think get rid of all the cards in their deck wins. And so this one, there's no bluffing like in Call of the Wild. You're just straight trying to match with people. So I think Call of the Wild kind of has an edge because of the bluffing aspect, which makes it a little more interesting. But honestly, dude is a ton of fun. Uh, I actually played this at the Spielathon at BGG Con, and I had a lot of fun with it. And this was with complete strangers, so it was great. Uh, but this would be really good with friends, too. Uh, yeah, as far as party games go, I think this is a great one. North Star Games really does a good job of coming out with like these ridiculous games that are just a lot of fun to play. So that is why my number one is Call of the Wild slash Dude. (laughs) And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, boardgameblitz.com, for video and blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages, including our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Board Game Geek Guild. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. Don't forget that War of the Worlds, The New Wave, a two-player asymmetric deck builder, is coming to Kickstarter this month. Gray Fox Games, quality games cleverly crafted. If you're enjoying the show, you can rate and review us on your podcast provider or consider becoming a patron. For as little as $1 a month, you can unlock access to unedited episodes and our private Slack channel, which lets you chat with us and other Blitzketeers directly. Head to patreon.com slash boardgameblitz to become a patron today. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mount. Board Game Blitz is a part of the Dice Tower Network. Until next time... We are the gamers who will play anything. We just stay at home and play them all. And if you ask us to play anything, we'll just tell you. We will play anything. Bye, everyone. Bye. You can rate and review us on your podcast provider or consider becoming a patron.
becoming a patron. Ah, I'm just like slurring words together. It's late. Anytime we do night recordings, <laughs> it always things go weird. Yeah. All right, it is time for our alliteration puzzle. Last episode, we asked you to retheme a classic deck building game so it can be played in a semi-spherical building where people live. What game was that, Ambi? It was Dome Domicile Dominion. Woo! Good job for everybody who guessed that one correct. This week, we are asking you to retheme a card game set in the French Revolution for Sherpas who are not innocent. The answer is going to be three words that all start with the same letter. Good luck, everyone. 